Are you having trouble transitioning to a plant-based diet? And are you interested in learning more about food and mood journals? In this combined blog post and podcast, podcast episode, we cover the basics of food and mood journal, what questions to include in your food and mood journal, and how to get started today. Do you want to eat more plants and less meat but don't know where to start? You're in the right place. Welcome to More Plants Made Easy, where we explore fun and practical ways to eat more plants and less meat. I'm your host, Christiana. I'm a plant-forward registered dietitian, culinary expert, owner of Gazi Nutrition, and founder of the Plant Forward Playbook Nutrition Coaching Program. Let's get started. So in today's episode, we're going to cover basically everything you need to know about a food and mood journal. And this might be a new term to you, so we're going to start from the beginning. What is a food and mood journal? A food and mood journal, sometimes called a food and mood diary, is a journal that's devoted to capturing what you eat over a specific period of time and how those foods made you feel, both physically and mentally. A food journal, food and mood journal is used in a variety of settings, um, and it's definitely best used with the regular support of a registered dietitian who can help you analyze your thoughts and provide constructive behavior-based advice for making adjustments. So a lot of times food and mood journals are used in Um, intuitive eating settings. I've seen them used with clients that have IBS or IBD, so irritable bowel syndrome or irritable bowel disorder. A food and mood journal is different from food tracking. So food journals have definitely, in my opinion, been taken over by diet culture and they've become tools for calorie counting, weight loss, and calorie restriction. Um, But food tracking and food and mood journaling are different, and they have different goals. So food tracking is used most commonly to monitor physical symptoms, count calories, and track weight loss and weight gain. So they're definitely useful, but if you're coming at nutrition from more of a intuitive eating, food freedom, less about calorie restriction, and weight loss and weight management, it might not be the best fit for you. But you've probably heard of programs like MyFitnessPal, where you can set a calorie limit or weight loss goal. And that's the most common form of food tracking. They're definitely used in clinical settings um, to help practitioners and clinicians uh, diagnose and assess things like food allergies as well. So they definitely have a place, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with them, but I find that with clients probably like you that I work with that are more interested in non-restrictive ways to include more plants into their diet, a food and mood journal is a more gentle and holistic approach to food tracking. So as I've kind of mentioned, food journaling, food and mood journaling is based around the principles of intuitive eating. And it it can be a guide to help you recover your relationship with food if that's something that's come up in your past. And really the goal is to understand how certain foods, specifically certain plant-based foods in this setting, make you feel emotionally and physically. 
This does not necessarily and usually it does not include tracking calories. You can include that as part of it, but the idea is to really think about it more holistically. So as you're listening to this, you're probably wondering, is a food and mood journal right for me? So I recommend a food and mood journal for all my clients because it helps them reflect on the process of making changes to their eating style. So in this case, the transition from a meat-based style of eating to a more plant-based style of eating. And in my program, the Plant Forward Playbook Nutrition Coaching Program, we use a digital food and mood journal in our um, online telehealth platform. And what's really cool about it is as clients add entries to their food and mood journal, I can see it in real time. So I like to go in, see what they're eating, making comments, making some suggestions. And it's really just a great way for me to connect with them in between the four in-person sessions that we have in the program. So oftentimes clients will post a question, they'll say, listen, I was at the grocery store and I couldn't find this, you know, what do you recommend? Or, oh, I bought this and I it intrigued me, but I have no idea how to use it or what, what to do with it. Uh, you know, can you send me some recipes that, you know, some good recipes using this product? So. Just, you know, a fun way to connect as well, in addition to the more serious matter of helping them just get to understand this new style of eating better. If you do have a history of disordered eating or have become obsessed with tracking meals in the past, a food and mood journal may not be the best idea. So I would suggest working with a registered dietitian that specializes in eating disorders or disordered eating, and he or she can really guide you um, as to whether or not a food and mood journal is going to be part of your process. Now, it can also be a useful tool to help you learn more about unrestricted eating. So what's the best way to keep a food and mood journal? Well, there's two primary ways, right? Digital or paper-based, and there's no right or wrong ways for you to capture your thought. It should be whichever method works best for you. I find that digital is preferable just because that's how I work with my clients. Um, But I think also if you're doing this and you're not planning to show it to anyone but yourself, it can be nice if it's digital because it can live in the cloud. Like if you use a Google, you know, Google Doc or OneNote or something like that, you can maybe take notes while you're at the grocery store if something pops into your mind um, rather than having to remember that and um, put it down on paper later. But really, it's it's up to you. I mean, there's a lot of interesting research shown knowing how, and not just research, but I've experienced this in practice, is that when you're typing versus when you're writing, it's a very different type of workflow and different ideas come to you. So if you find that in terms of journaling type of stuff, you prefer to write things out and that's where you can really get in touch with what's going on in your head, then by all means use writing. You can even do a hybrid. So it really just depends on kind of what your goals are and how you find that you can best express yourself, whether it's digital or paper-based. How can food and mood journals help plant-forward eaters? Well, the plant 
The, the Food and Mood Journal is a very helpful tool when transitioning from meat-based eating to plant-forward and plant-based eating. It helps clarify your feelings and any challenges or triumphs you have around trying new foods. So what information should be included in a food and mood journal? And this is really what I want you to take away from this episode today. If you're considering starting a food and mood journal, I'm going to give you some prompts for uh, questions that you can ask yourself that you can include in your food and mood journal. Now, there's tons of questions and they can be very personalized to your process. So I'm going to share some general prompts just to get you thinking. Now remember, the goal of eating is satisfaction. So the goal of your food and mood journal is to better understand what, how what you are eating is satisfying you. And I have a model for this that I've talked about in other episodes, but as a refresher, I like to think of this as the three F's of food satisfaction. There's fullness, which is the physical satisfaction that comes from eating balanced meals. There's family and friends, and that's how food connects us to our heritage and other people. And flavor, and that's the sensory aspects of food, like aroma, flavor, color, and texture. So satisfaction is most likely to occur when all these three Fs are met. Remember, though, you're learning, and even when you become more experienced at plant-based nutrition, not every meal can or will be balanced. That's just not a realistic goal. But the point here is that you can frame your thought process around these levers or three Fs of food satisfaction. So here are some journal prompts to get you started. Thinking about the level of physical hunger. It can be very helpful to understand your hunger cues. So if you think of your hunger as like a gas tank, right? You are, you can be all the way on empty. And when you're at empty, you may be feeling cranky or angry or sad. And then as you move towards fillness as you fill your gas tank ideally that fullness is where you'll find emotions like happiness now sometimes you can fill up that gas tank too much and you might feel uncomfortable but in general if you can think of your hunger cues and your uh, stomach or or emotional uh, hunger as a gas tank, I think that's a good metaphor. So there's a lot of really good um, visuals online that show a hunger scale. It's usually on a, a 1 to 10 scale. And in the blog post, which I'll include a link to in the show notes, I include a great article written by a registered dietitian where she has shows a great diagram for what a hunger scale could look like and how to learn more about your hunger cues from an intuitive eating perspective. So some questions to ask when you're assessing your level of physical physical hunger. How full were you at the start of your meal? So you would jot that down or type that out in your notes. How full were you in the middle of the meal? How full were you at the end of the meal? And so you can see that having kind of an objective scale to rate those questions is really helpful. Now, 
you're not going to do this for every meal, right? Like imagine being out to dinner with friends and you whip out your notebook. You know, that's not, that's not what this is about, but you can use it in moments that it feels appropriate. And eventually you will internalize this and you, it, it, you won't necessarily need to track it anymore. So the next category of question prompts are related to how you feel emotionally about what you're eating. So emotions, human connection, and happiness play a large role in the satisfaction of the eating experience. And remember, like that family and friends F, food connects us to our heritage and to other people. So here are some questions around emotional, how you're feeling emotionally about your eating that you may want to include in your food and mood journal. Are you rushing through your meals? So maybe you are eating really quickly, you're watching the TV, or you're looking at your phone and you see an email come through and so you feel like you have to rush through your meal so you can respond to that email. Where are you eating your meals? Are you eating lunch at your desk? Are you eating dinner while you're watching TV. And I'm not saying that any of these things are wrong or right. I'm just, what we're doing right now is really just taking inventory of our location and our emotions around eating. And then when you bring these um, thoughts to your client meetings with a registered dietitian like me, we can work through whether or not your current surroundings or your current strategy for where you're dining is working for you. A couple other questions here. Does eating blank food make you feel anxious, stressed, happy? So maybe if you are transitioning out of from a, a meat-based diet to a plant a more plant-based diet, maybe eating meat is making you feel anxious, right? And maybe that's something that you want to talk through with your registered dietitian. Which meals make you feel connected to your family? And relatedly, which foods help you feel connected to your heritage and why? And the reason I include these questions um, when I work with clients is because it's really important to consider your cultural foods as you're thinking about transitioning from a meat-based to a plant-based diet, you may be surprised that there's some traditional foods from your culture that are naturally plant-based that maybe you just didn't grow up eating, but would be a fun thing for you to try and for you to even introduce to your family members. And we know that when food aligns with our culture, it's just better for the overall eating experience. All right, so let's talk about some sensory considerations in the eating and cooking experience. And this is that third F that I mentioned, flavor. So here's some questions to think about. What what flavors do you enjoy? Do you like spicy, creamy, crunchy, sweet, sour? What are you currently craving? What What foods and meals smell good to you? Which meals do you enjoy cooking and why? What plant-based foods do you and your partner or kids enjoy? And what are the colors on your plate? So you can see here that these questions really relate to how the food looks, smells, how it's presented, the textures, the colors, and then the really important factors of If you're cooking for somebody else, 
You know, are they enjoying what you're making? And to what extent does that matter? And to what extent do you need to set some boundaries and say, you know, this is this is what I'm trying, um, and this is what I made. <laughs> so really here we're focused on these sort of sensory considerations and your feelings of confidence in cooking new plant-based foods. Okay, lastly are the physical symptoms you experience around eating certain foods. Now this is especially important if you're trying to understand how foods exacerbate the physical symptoms that may have brought you to a dietitian in the first place. So this can be really common if there's a um, a person that's suffering from IBS-like symptoms. So maybe eating certain foods is causing gas or bloating or diarrhea, or maybe you're feeling constipated and it's like, well, I'm eating really healthy. You know, why am I feeling this way? And then your registered dietitian can work with you um, and see what may be causing that. And again, this this is helpful for managing. Um, allergic reactions that come with potentially certain foods and of course you would never want to do that on your own you'd always want to work with the supervision of a physician and a registered dietitian because food allergies can be very serious but anyway on a little bit of a less serious note let's say you're having some IBS issues and you want to kind of understand which foods may be triggering those so here are some questions are you having regular bowel movements? Do you suffer from diarrhea or constipation? Heartburn and burping? Excessive gas and bloating? And, optional, but any weight gain or weight loss. And so these things can just kind of help you identify which foods are making you feel physically good and which foods are making you feel not so good. All right, wrapping it up. So some final thoughts and how to get started on your food and mood journal and your call to action for this episode. In summary, a food and mood journal is a tool to help you better understand which foods satisfy you as a transition to a plant-based and plant-forward diet. Remember that the food and mood journal should work for you so consider which form is most convenient for you and start there. Also consider how frequently you would like to update the journal. It can be weekly, daily, or any other cadence that feels right for you. So your call to action today is to take some of the journal prompts, which are written out in the blog post article that I've linked in the show notes, and try your food and mood journal. And I would love for you to download your free copy of my Plant Forward Made Easy Meal Prep Guide. And as you try those recipes, remember to include them in your food and mood journal. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy your food and I'll see you next time.